0: well yes i think it is safe to say that we all love a good road trip at least some point in our life we have loved a great road trip and if you frequent road trips you know that there is a road trip checklist right there's a checklist of essentials And i think obviously the most important is who you are on a trip with like who gets stuck in your vehicle uh, and shotgun, I believe, is almost more important than the driver. Now, if you are one of those people that volunteer to ride shotgun and fall asleep, you're like disqualified. Instantly disqualified, car pulls over, you're in the back. All right, that is the worst when you are on a long journey and shotgun, right? Co driver is snoring. But I think right behind people, right? Their songs. I think, do you guys even call it an cord nowadays? You guys still call it that? All right, well, good. I didn't know in the Bluetooth world if OX was still a thing. Uh, right, there's songs, and then there's snacks. So uh, I'm going to need your help just a little bit, is this. If you're dialing up your phone and getting a song to start a long journey of a road trip, what is your go-to song? You can raise your hand, and shout out. Which, what is your go-to song on any road trip? Eminem. Corey was once Slim Shady. Ask for some pictures. I'm serious. I'm serious. Anybody else? What's the go-to song? Yeah. Okay, Dave Matthews. We share that common love. I w- that is mine, but nobody knows. Would know those? Yeah. Yep. It, no other go-to songs. Life is a highway, like the car's version or the original, cars. all right, took lightning McQueen, baby ka-chow. <laughs> yeah, i just got now with o Jackson storm last night. um, so no other go to songs you got... bye, 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 by in sync, What were you for? <laughs> you were young, then I was in like Baldwin or. Middle school, bye, bye, bye. Now, I think if, if, is Corey in here? I know Corey's go-to song is basically any number one hit from 1995 to 2005. If it was a number one hit, he loves it. Uh, I think the most of all is Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. (laughs) You wouldn't think he loves it, but he does. Uh, Also, I'm going to make sure I read the room right. With the show of hands, how many all know every word to the ludicrous rap in Baby by Justin Bieber? Okay, yeah, a lot of you. If I hit that first word, you guys, are just, you, it's in your head. You're there. Now, I stay away from that because me and Bieber have had the same hair back then, uh, same initials, same birthday. So I distance myself from Bieber as much as possible because it's not a connection I want to make with my life. But... Snacks, right? Snacks to me, I'm going to impart some diabetic wisdom to you. (laughs) Snacks are vital. And my number one road snack is a box of honeycomb. And let me explain this to you. A box of honeycomb is going to last you the whole trip, right? No, it's going to last you the whole trip. You're never going to run dry, right? You're never going to get Cheeto fingers, dirty fingers. Like, your fingers are always clean. You can operate the screen, the phone, the wheel, and you're never going to have to, you know, make sure you have napkins. And honeycomb is sweet, so it kind of satisfies, but it's not too sweet that it diminishes my, my, like, love of my life, which is Diet Coke or Diet Mountain Dew, all right? Like, there's always a drink, and there's always a snack, and that's why I love about road trips, but if you've been on a road trip as a family, you guys have that dad that's always like more annoyed at how many times you have to stop more than he is enjoying the actual journey. I know um, I've been there in my life many a times, many, many of times. And I've been working here, right, for nearly 11 years. And most of those years, my, my focus is high school students, which means I have been on a ton of road trips within just this church. And a lot of you in this room have probably been on a road trip with me within the last 11 years of your life. Uh, And I'm talking endless memories. When I talk about road trips, the memories are endless. Like, they just keep, when I start talking about it, memories come up that I've completely forgotten. Like, um, one of the most bizarre ones is we went to uh, like a middle school event, like junior high age, to this thing called Believe. And we had about 270 middle schoolers with us. And if you were here, you can shout out. And the, uh, yeah, Believe was a good one. Now, eight hours into the trip, right, we loaded up charters. Eight hours into the trip, things started to get a little funny. You're like, that's weird. And then by about 24 hours into the trip, I think 70, maybe 80% of the students were vomiting. Now, if you want to talk about just a day of hell, (laughs) it's that. Imagine you are now in charge of 270 middle schoolers who, it takes patience when they're healthy, uh, is now they are vomiting everywhere. Like our leaders were just straight up in the bathroom holding hair. Just because kids are coming, vomit. I mean, just like this. We're like, we just got to go home. This trip's canceled. We are going home. I've never seen anything like it since. It was wild. Uh, But then there's also this time we went to the Smoky Mountains. This will teach you a lot about, were you there with us? Yes. Okay. Now we went to the Smokies and we had three, you know, church vans. And we are driving through the mountains, and not like the interstate that drives through the mountains. I'm talking, we were like on the mountain, and it was this little one-lane road, and we are making our way to the top so we could have the view, all that good stuff. And if you know anything about church vehicles, they're not reliable. So we have walkie-talkies, right? And it's like, Josh, we got a problem. I'm like, what's the problem? He's like, the van won't go. So I've like reach out the win- look out the window, look back, and this van just has smoke rolling from underneath of it and I'm like this ain't good so we we pull we pull over say kids stay in the car I walk down the mountain get to this van and you know like any problem that you have on a road trip you have to survey the situation like all right what's gone wrong so we look underneath the vehicle and there's a massive hole and a radiator hose that controls the car, and there's just water, coolant everywhere, there's steam, and at this point, you can't get by because it's one lane run this traffic is backed up. So we funnel all the kids out, we get them down, they're guiding traffic, everyone's backing down the mountain so we can push the van out of the way and start to work on it. So after we surveyed the situation, we realized that we have a problem, the van can't move, and we are an hour away from civilization with no cell phone service. So here we are. And then you have to take inventory, right? What do you have? What's the inventory that you have? What are the tools that you have that can fix this? And what we had at that moment was like a little Gerber knife that you opened up, and it was like pliers with a pocket knife and a little bitty, like, excuse for scissors. We have that. And so was like, hey, I have a roll of athletic tape, okay? And we had a water bottle. That was our three things that we had we had a water bottle, a roll of tape and a pair of scissors. So we uh, we get to thinking so we got the got tape we rolled up, we made a plug for the hose. Then we got a, the water bottle, we made like a like a cast for the hose and then we taped that baby up like there was no tomorrow. Use every last bit of tape and we poured water in it. It didn't explode. It worked. All right? And we were able to get down from the mountain. We felt like our lives were saved. Uh, but that's just one small thing. right? It's Because that was the first event of a very, very long day that concluded with the ER and bears and all kinds of different things. Like road trips lead to great memories. Great memories. And it's not just here at the church. Because before I worked here at the church, I grew up going to the racetrack uh, three or four nights every week. So I took a lot of road trips as a family. We were constantly traveling. Uh, then when I got here, I was constantly taking trips. And there's something special about a road trip, right? Because every, every road trip, you have this, the preparation phase, right? You're planning. You're getting everything ready. And then you have the actual journey where you're getting to wherever you're going, and you sometimes hate it, you sometimes love it, and it's mostly both of those things. And then there is obviously the destination. And most of our memories we make are in the journey of a road trip, right? Those things that stick with us. But the foundation of every trip, the reason you take every road trip is the destination, right? Where are you going? You know, what direction are you heading? Why did you even start in motion to begin with? And when we start to look at our individual lives, like we have to look at what direction we are heading. Like what is the destination going to be? Whatever direction we are walking, whatever decisions that we are making, what is our direction? What is our destination? Because tonight we are going to discover that whatever is driving your life, will determine your destination. And, and in this series of the shadow collection, like we're unfolding the book of Romans 8 uh, verse by verse. And I'm sure you discovered last week that like, we can choose to cast a shadow in our life or we can choose to live in the shadows. And as we open our Bibles to Romans 8, and you have a Bible, you can go ahead and get there. We're going to be in Romans 8 for this whole evening. And when we start, to, we start to look at this in Romans 8, is this tension, right? It's this tension of what we call like the desires of the flesh, the things that we desire personally or selfishly. And then there is the direction of the Spirit. And in the language of this shadow collection, I'm going to help understand this. We're going to come back to it over and over again, is this. When we get close to Jesus... Right, when we draw near to Jesus who, who says, he says, I am the light of the world. So the light of life, Jesus, when we get close to him, right, that's how we cast a shadow in the way that we live because we are close to the light. But yet there is this thing that comes in our life and these different desires of the flesh and the things that we, that we seek and pursue. But we tend to hide in the shadows to do these things. And sometimes we hide in the shadows because we don't want anybody to know what we are doing or the things that we are chasing. And at all times, right, we all fight this tension, this battle, right? These two things are constantly at war about who is driving the vehicle of life, right? The, the, the f- desires of the flesh. And the direction of the Spirit are constantly fighting for the driver's seat. They're constantly fighting for the wheel to determine what direction you will go in your life. So we're going to open Romans 8. We're going to start in verse 5. It says this. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God, it never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. And you've heard me say it and you hear in this scripture right, this, this idea of sinful nature, or what we'll talk about as the desires of the flesh. And what this really means, right, when you boil it down, when you talk about the flesh or your sinful nature, it simply means the part of you that loves sin, right, the part of you that that hates correction, the part of you that hates authority, the part of you that that hates accountability, right, and it's that part of you in your love for sin that you you start to hide things, you start to cover things up because you don't want to let them go because you enjoy them. Because you're just not quite ready to let go of them. That part of your life, that's your flesh. That's the desires of your flesh. That is the sinful nature. When even though you might know that it's wrong, you don't care because you enjoy it. You want to do it. And sometimes you don't even want to do it, but you still find yourself there. That's what is so challenging about the desires of the flesh. It's something that you feel like we can never shut off. It's always there, and it's always fighting for the steering wheel of your life. And as we read this sec- section of Scripture, we quickly quickly discover that there is that, that fight, right? The fight for the control, of who's driving, that constant tension that all of us will face in life. And the fight starts in the mind. Right? The, the, the fight starts right here in your mind. Because the mind is where most of life is determined, right? Typically, it begins with thoughts before it leads to actions. And, and Paul writes here in verse 5, it says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So whatever you think about, right, whatever lives like rent-free in your mind, the things that, that you constantly are, are, are circulating in your mind, the things that you think about, are the, are the very things that dominate you, that control you, that start to take the wheel and control what direction your life is heading. And this can be alarming, right? Because you know your thoughts. Nobody else does. You know what happens inside here. And this can be a very scary place. You can think some really dark stuff about other people and about yourself. And you may think things that you never put into action, and you may think things that you will never share with anybody. But that's the place, right? What in scripture is saying, right? If you're thinking about it, it's dominating you. If you're thinking about it, it's controlling you. Before you ever act on something, before you ever perform a task, right? You are dominated by your thoughts. And I want you to hear this. If the enemy can win, the mind of a man, he can keep him from anything. The peace of God, the pleasures of God, a godly life. If the enemy can win the mind of a man, he can keep him from anything. But if the mind belongs to God, so does the entire person, everything about you who you are, the steps you take, the decisions you make. If your mind belongs to God, your entire person does. And I want you to take yourself back, right? Take yourself back a few years to that time when you were still living with your parents. And your parents said, hey, we're going on vacation, but you're not going. Now, as a young child, you hate this. You say, I want to be with you, Mom. I want to go with you guys. Why don't I get to have all the fun? But as you get older, you start to realize that, hey, I may act like I'm sad that I'm not going, but in the back of your mind, like, oh, yeah, I got the weekend to me. And you start thinking about, all right, I can listen to what I want. I can watch what I want. I can do what I want. I can surround myself with who I want. I can invite whoever I want over. Like anything is a possibility because I can do whatever I want. You got you guys remember that right that excitement that you may have felt in that moment? That's your flesh. That's the sinful nature starting to to well up and and control your thoughts or this one's a little more innocent but All of us, right, we had that moment where we just get so excited to have our driver's license. Whenever we get our permit, we're like, well, I can't wait until I can drive myself. Because when I can drive myself, what? I have freedom. And the things we label as freedom in life are commonly just the sinful nature motivating our thoughts and desires. And the things we label as freedom are are usually... Right, that's a, just the invitation to separate ourselves from God and separate, our, separate ourselves from things that may be meaningful. The desire of the flesh is in all of us, right? It's in me, it's in you, it's in everybody here. And I would assume that most of you are here because you also have a desire to know who Jesus is. You also have a desire to walk with him. You have a desire to know who God is, not just to follow the desires of your flesh because otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here. And a lot of times, right, we try to live this godly life. But trying to live a godly life while governed by our sinful nature is planning for death. It's like starting a road trip On E, right? You know that you might be able to get into motion. You might be able to start whatever journey you have in front of you, but you will quickly, quickly run out of steam. You will run out of gas and you will be left abandoned. You will be left stranded because you are trying to lead your life in two different directions. You know, earlier I mentioned that my father uh, drove race cars all of his life, right? That's all he did. I think from the time that he walked, he was working on race cars and driving cars. And my dad is also the guy who never wanted to give me a ride. Right? If, I called my, if I was somewhere with my friends and said, hey, can you give me a ride? My dad's first response every single time would be like, uh, is there anybody that I can give you a ride right home? And I'm like, Dad, no, I've asked everybody. I need a ride. He's like, are you sure you've asked everyone to give you a ride home? I say, yes, Dad, I, I need a ride. And I would always be bumming her eyes. I was that kid that was really annoying to everybody. Uh, But there were times that there was no other options, right? I needed dad to come pick me and my friends up. And when my dad is annoyed, it doesn't matter if, like, if it's a car in front of me annoyed, if it's the fact that he's coming to pick us up when he doesn't want to do that is annoyed, he, like, He reversed back to the same spot. It doesn't matter if he is in a race car, in a minivan, or in a Ford Ranger. He's about to be making some moves, right? He's going to be dipping, diving, no matter if it's on the street, no matter if it's on the back roads. Like, he's going to be working traffic. And for me, I grew up. Like, I grew up racing. That's the thing. I understand it. It doesn't bother me. But my friends didn't. And so I remember sitting in the front seat, and it was just like, yeah, this is, it wasn't even a second thought to me. But there are so many times I look back in the back seat, and all you see is just white eyes, because people are like, I'm about to die. I, I, w- I, what's happening? Because they, their parents never drove like this, but I was like, oh, it ain't nothing, man, you all right? Uh, and they're like, no, I'm about to die. And that's what it's like when we invite our sinful nature in our flesh to drive our lives and control our minds, like, we get to this moment where it becomes so normal and we've done it so much in our life that it doesn't bother us. It doesn't scare us. It's normal to us. Driving dangerously is just how we do it. Living dangerously is just, that's just second nature. But there comes this time, right, where you are like the person in the back seat and you start to realize like, man, I'm about to die. I really am about to die. And you can say it jokingly, but it also says it biblically. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. That's what scripture says. And when your mind is being controlled by your desires, you will find yourself in a place of hurt. And we hear of this tension, right? I think all of us, we feel this tension on a daily basis. And Paul who's riding this, probably more than anybody else, feels this tension, and he has to fight to endure it. And he understood this very simple fact, right? That your driver determines your destination. Whoever is driving your mind is driving your life. Romans 8 continues and says this, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. So there's a big, big difference here. He's looking, hey, your sinful nature leads to death. The desires of the flesh, when it controls you, it will lead to death. But it says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. So he's writing to these people saying, hey, I know you are a Christian. I know you are followers of Jesus, So I know you're not following the desires of your flesh. I know you are a changed person. I know that you are different. Because when you walk with God, there should be an obvious difference in who you are. And so it says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. When we come to know Jesus and proclaim that Jesus is Lord of our lives, right, this is what we are committing to. This is the invitation that we are accepting, that we are going to walk with him, that we are going to draw near to the light of the world and allow him to govern and guide our lives, to determine what direction our life is going to take. And I know we've seen a lot of baptisms, Right? You've seen a lot of collective. You come to church on the weekends, you see them frequently. And when you get into the water, that's exactly what you are proclaiming. You're saying, you know what? I've reached the finish line of my life without God. Right? I've reached the finish line of allowing my de- the desires of my flesh to control my destination. I- I'm done with that. I'm dying to my sin. I'm de- dying to my desires. And I say, I'm going to live with Jesus. I'm going to walk with with Jesus. I don't allow him to determine my direction. That's what it means when you accept Jesus. Yet, you understand that sometimes that's not how we live. Man, we love Jesus. We want to walk with Jesus, but sometimes we miss it. And as a young adult, right, you're sitting in this room, And you have to make a decision what your life is going to look like, what your career is going to be, who you're going to marry, where you're going to live, all these different things that might include college, that might not. But you're in a spot where you're saying, hey, I have to figure out what my future is going to be or I need to start living my future. And you get to this spot where it can get really hard to determine who needs to control the steering wheel. Who needs to determine your destination? And I'm sure uh, as believers, many of you in this room have asked God directly, what do you want from me, God? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? I think we've all been there. If you walk with God, if you say you live by the Spirit, you've been here. What do you want from me? What should I do? And these are really complex questions, right? A lot of times we look for this huge, thunderous noise from heaven to tell, us, so or this flashing neon sign in front say, this is the way you should go. But the answer to those complex questions can actually be very, very simple. He's saying, I want to be in the driver's seat of your life. I want to control your thoughts. I want to help encourage your direction, and it doesn't matter. You don't have to make this huge decision to go to a specific place or go a specific direction. If you are living with me and we are on this journey together, it doesn't matter where you go because I'm going to be going with you. And sometimes we're waiting for this huge, big decision when really what God's asking from you is for you to walk daily with him. And when God is behind the wheel, right, life starts to look different. But that doesn't mean that tension escapes. That doesn't mean that pull to do what our flesh desires escapes. Right? It's still there haunting us. And like I said earlier, we may really, really want to do this specific thing for God or with God, but we can't. Because we can't figure out who's in control. We can't figure out who's got a hold of the steering wheel. And we get to this moment where you're like, you know what? The desire is too strong. The temptation is too strong. I just can't overcome it. And if you've tried to live with Jesus... Every single Christian has come to this moment where you feel like you don't have enough strength to overcome your temptation. Like you don't, ha- you don't have enough strength to make the right decision because you keep on making the wrong decision. But here's the thing. Scripture says the very same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is, this, is the same power that lives in you. So this is Passion Week, right? Right this is the week that Jesus comes in and people are celebrating praising his name and then very very quickly everything turns right the people that are closest to him betray him the people that are closest to him abandon him and then he, we know that Jesus he's arrested he is tried he is beaten abused all these things that we know happens on passion week that leads to Friday where he is crucified And the reason we come to church on Sunday, the reason we come to celebrate Easter is because the power of God came to a man that was God, who was broken, who was crucified, who was dead in a tomb, and he brought power, new power where he was raised to life. And you can find it in history books, you can find it in scripture, you can find so many different things in this world that validates this. The power that took a dead man and raised him to life, the power that did all these different miracles, this power that you see working in everybody around you, the power that you know that once changed you is the very same power that wants to walk with you every single day. It's the very same power that wants to help you overcome whatever it is that you are trying to overcome. The very things that you are hiding in the shadows, the things that you are constantly coming back to every time you step into this room because you feel the temptation, you feel whatever this guilt and this shame is because you feel stuck. There's a power that lives in you that can overcome that. And it's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And we can desire something all we want. But God's not going to come to a moment where he really helps you until you come near to him. Until you come close enough to him that, he, that you can feel the light of the world. And As we come near to Jesus, right? That's when we start to understand what this shadow collection is all about. Because in order to come to Jesus, we have to step out of the shadows. And I know that we're all sitting here and we know these things that we've got a hold of. We've got these things that we do need to let go of, but we just haven't. And we bring them with us every single week. We carry them with us every single day. And it's the things that we want to overcome, but we can't. It's the things that are holding us back. And no, maybe nobody may know except you. And that doesn't matter. Because the only person who wants to know is Jesus. And you get this moment where you have all these things that you're hiding in the shadows it may cause you to hide in the shadows if you really want to overcome it if you really want to experience the power of God you have to uproot it you have to pull it out and you have to bring it to Jesus bring it to the light and expose it because when you expose something you start to see it for what it really is and that thing over here that you're hiding in the shadows that made you feel like you were accepted that you were doing because it felt like it it made you belong and it made you feel wanted when you really pull it out of the shadows and you start to bring it to light and see it for what it really is, you realize it's the very thing that's keeping you broken. It's the very thing that is causing you to question your self-worth. And I mean, that list goes on and on and on. when you start to expose things and you bring it to the light and you bring it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm done with this, right? That's when it starts to lose power in your life. As long as you keep it hidden, as long as you keep hiding in the shadows, It will control your mind, and it will dominate who you are. Jesus is saying, the very same power that raised me from the dead is the same power that lives in you. And I want you all to stand with me as we come into worship. And and stay with me because we're not done. Right? We all all stand here, and we all stand on the same ground. And we all have this part of us that loves to sin. It's true. We, we all have a part that loves to sin. And there's this desire that we felt we can never silence. And it's a desire that constantly is asking to take the wheel to determine what direction you are heading. Yet, this is the very part of your life that Jesus died for. It's the very part of your life that Jesus is saying, bring to me. Because we can overcome it together. It doesn't have to control you. It doesn't have to dominate your life. And we stand here right before Jesus, before the light of the world. We can continue to hide in the shadows. Or we can drag whatever it may be, whatever you brought with you here tonight, whatever you feel like is that thing that always comes up in this moment of service the thing that always gets pressed upon your heart, maybe tonight you pull it out of the shadows and you bring it to the feet of Jesus and let him take care of it. So as we sing, will you hide in the shadows or will you come close enough to Jesus that you will actually cast a shadow? Jesus, Jesus, We love you, and we thank you for being a God who doesn't sit and watch our lives. God, I ask in this moment that we come before you in a way that gives you the driver's seat, that allows you to take the steering wheel, Father. And I apologize for asking you to ride shotgun in my life so many times and asking you for suggestions rather than actions asking you to take direction and to guide me and to lead me father in this moment god help us pull the things that we are hiding the things that are slowly destroying us and bring it to you and let you do the work that you always do it's your name that we pray amen Thank you.